May Jesus Christ be praised and glorified both now and unto the ages of ages. Amen. It's hard to overstate what a big deal it was to appear on The Tonight Show when it was hosted by Johnny Carson. In an era before streaming services or social media or even cable, appearing on The Tonight Show basically meant that you were the only person on television at that moment. It was like an express elevator to fame and notoriety. Entertainers of all stripes, from singers to comedians, trace their, the beginning of their career to the moment they first appeared on that stage in Burbank. And for a lucky few, there was an even greater accolade. Once they had finished their song or their set, Carson would invite performers who had done particularly well to come to the couch and visit with him for a few minutes before the commercial break. And to be clear, Johnny Carson was the sole arbiter of who received this invitation. He was the kingmaker. Nevertheless, many people strove to achieve this honor, and when people were invited to the couch for the first time, they would invariably gush, thank you, Mr. Carson. Joe Williams was a jazz singer whose career spanned six decades he sang with Count Basie and Lionel Hampton. He worked as an actor in film and television. And he was a regular on The Tonight Show, eventually appearing more than 200 times throughout his career. Yet for years, he was never able to wrangle an invitation to sit with Johnny. <laughs> when he made appearances, families would tune into The Carson Show just to see if the kingmaker would finally call Joe over to the couch, and they would inevitably dis be disappointed. But finally, after years and years of waiting, it happened. Joe finished his song and heard Carson say, come on over, Joe, come on. Williams enthusiastically turned and started running toward the desk, but in his haste, he got tripped up on the microphone table, and he stumbled, and he fell flat on his face. For an excruciatingly long time, Carson and a production assistant endeavored to untangle Williams from the cable and help him up. And when he finally made it to the couch, the two men only had, a few, uh, had time for a few words before the show cut to commercial. Your singing is so good, Johnny said. Joe replied gamely, I better sing because I'm no acrobat. He laughed it off, but it's hard to imagine he was anything less than devastated. Having finally achieved one of the ultimate show business honors, Joe Williams was humiliated on the very stage where the honor was bestowed. From what we can tell, the Corinthians were preoccupied with achievement. They attached significant value to credentials and background. 
They lionized those imbued with knowledge or spiritual gifts. They probably would have made a big deal about people who were called to the couch, come to think of it. And to hear Paul describe it, this preoccupation with achievement was tearing the community apart. People who did not possess spiritual gifts like speaking in tongues envied those who did. People with knowledge despised those who were ignorant. The community was coming apart at the seams, dividing itself between the haves and the have-nots. And as we heard last week, these divisions were perversely exacerbated by the presence of Paul and the other apostles. The Corinthians used their relationships or their affection for these apostles to set themselves over and against one another, saying things like, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Apollos, implying that this identity made them superior to all the other members of the church. And before we judge the Corinthians too harshly for their behavior, (laughs) it's worth noting that they're behaving an awful lot like human beings. We all crave honor and validation. And often the most efficient way to achieve it is by diminishing the people around us. And perhaps it is for this reason that Paul's response to the deeply human dysfunction at the church in Corinth is not to enjoin them to be nicer to each other or to remind them about the benefits of working together. It is to make a theological argument. The message about the cross is foolishness, he writes. Now, already he is raising the Corinthians' hackles. These are people who value wisdom, after all, and they don't want to be associated with anything that might be considered foolish. But Paul has a point, doesn't he? (laughs) The gospel posits that God, the creator of all things, participated in the human story in the person of Jesus Christ. And rather than vanquishing the wicked and claiming earthly authority as was his right, Jesus Christ submitted to the death of a criminal on a Roman cross, willingly. Moreover, Paul argues that this act of supreme humiliation was actually an expression of God's deep love for creation. Sounds pretty foolish by the standards of the world. And yet there is something undeniably true about what Paul writes. Because if we are honest, we have to acknowledge that we are all Joe Williams in that there will be days when we will stumble and find ourselves flat on our faces. Sometimes more often than not. 
And yet through the cross, Jesus Christ reveals that God is present to us even in our failures. That God's grace is most accessible to us, or at least most evident to us, when we are flat on our faces. To my mind, this is why we say, unite us to your Son in his sacrifice, in our Eucharistic prayer. We are reminding ourselves that our experience of God's grace depends on our willingness to acknowledge our frailty. And it's hard for me to think about frailty without considering the massacres in Monterey Park and Half Moon Bay. The 33rd and 38th mass shootings of the year in this country. As I reflected on those sobering numbers, I was reminded of what one journalist said after the rash of political assassinations in 1968. Is this a shooting gallery or a civilization? That question feels hard to answer these days. And while I believe that our society needs to reckon with its relationship to guns, I think there's a deeper question we must ask. Why is it that there are people who make the decision to destroy their own lives or the lives of other people? Why is that? And we can't discount the reality of sin and evil in the world. But I can't help but believe that these deaths are ultimately caused by despair. That the people who commit these acts believe that their lives are so broken, that life itself is so broken, that they simply can't imagine a reason for them or anybody else to live. But we proclaim Christ crucified. The church has a response to this despair. And it is the message about the cross. And the message about the cross is this. Instead of striving for worldly honor, Jesus Christ endured the ultimate humiliation. And in this way, he revealed God's grace. And for us who are being saved, this is the power of God. Because it means that we can be free from our impulse to strive for worldly honor and think of ourselves as better than other people. Moreover, and more importantly, it means that life is worth living no matter how broken it feels, because it is in brokenness that we experience the fullness of God's grace. Today we will hold our annual parish meeting. 
And there are ways in which the annual meeting functions as a kind of state of the union for heavenly rest. And while I am confident that no one will say the state of our parish is strong, I hope not anyway, Judy, <laughs> you will hear about all of the things that we have achieved over the past year. You'll hear about how well our stewardship campaign went, how many people were baptized or confirmed since the last annual meeting, how bright the future feels for heavenly rest. But I am mindful that as the people of God, we are called to put our trust not in the things we have achieved, of which we are justifiably proud. We are called to put our trust in the message about the cross. The essential truth that the only way we can experience life and peace is when we acknowledge and embrace our human frailty. We are not defined by what we achieve, either as individuals or as a community. We are defined, rather, by the marvelous grace that God has revealed in the cross of Jesus Christ.